Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code WELCOME to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code WELCOME at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code WELCOME. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Red Inca. I'm Jared Kimber. This episode of Red Inca is about how Zimbabwe got good again. For that, we got on a Zimbabwean-born cricket writer from South Africa. A cricket writer. I write most of my stuff on Chadwick Drive. It's on Substack. We talk Sekanda Raza, Dave Houghton, the bowlers, all-rounders, professionalism. I learn how Joy Lord's name should actually be pronounced, politics, and how the old boys are coming back. Are you you're originally Zimbabwean? Am I right in saying that? Yes, yes, I was. Um, yeah. I was born in Zimbabwe, moved to South Africa in the 2010s. Yeah, great. Well, that has no relevance today, other than you know your your background. But um, what we did, what I thought would be really cool to do would be, I was trying to work out the best way of telling the Zimbabwean story, and I think that probably maybe in the future. You might even get you on a couple more episodes because they're such a fascinating team um, at the moment. You know, get yourself and maybe Liam as well um, to, to pop in for some episodes. But what I thought would be really interesting at the moment is if you're a casual cricket fan and you've been following this, you're probably at the corner of your eye seeing that Zimbabwe are doing really well. 
right? But what you probably don't know is why specifically they've done very well um, and, you know, what all that means. So what we have come up with um, as the professionals that we both are is a inexhaustive list of the five, the, the five reasons that we think is the most important um, of why Zimbabwe has improved so much over the last, what, three and a half years, really, since their um, suspension. Um, you know, in, 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 in you know, it's, they've been on an upward curve, I suppose, uh, for a lot of that time. So, CS, tell me what is the number one reason that Zimbabwe is better now uh, than they were, um, well, for most of the this millennium? Well, I think salaries. That's salaries. The first one I, I like that. I don't. So I don't have that on my list. I do have one later on. I'm not. I'm not going to preempt it. I do have one later on that I think kind of relates to that, right? But yes, there is. Uh, that is such a brilliant one, and it should be on my list, which is that they are professional now, and they have not been professional mm -hmm. for a very, very long time. And that's why all the players left, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, recently, I like talking about this. There was a time when Z Zimbabwe cricket, they would get money from ICC. And instead of just paying the players their salaries, uh, the people would spin it. You know, in Zimbabwe, there's this thing called spinning money. You know, you get it, you move it around a little bit, make a bit of a profit, and then, you know, you then try to pay the players with that. And with the way the Zimbabwe economy is, is if you get U.S. dollars, you are better off than if you get <clears throat> Zimbabwe dollars, which are bond notes at the moment. So after spinning the money, the players would then receive the local currency, the bond notes, and they were of no value. You know, the inflation is crazy. Uh, so for a long time, players had to worry about money instead of worrying about the game. And for a little while now, since the suspension was lifted, I've heard that these guys are getting paid on time. And for me, that makes a huge, huge difference. I love it. just on time. No, it's not great money, but they know that it's <laughs> going to come in and it comes in. I mean, you know, the professionalism thing, we saw the whole thing with Ryan Burl and the shoes and, and everything else. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you talk about the money coming in and it being spun. There's also like, it wasn't that long ago, I want to say, what, seven or eight years ago when the ICC gave Zimbabwe a lot of money and it went straight into a bank that was run by someone, uh, you know, involved with Mugabe's government directly. The money didn't come out as quick. No one really knew why the money hadn't come out to pay, pay its debts and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think professionalism, it, professionalism is a huge thing. You know, we've seen, what, two Zimbabwean players of recent times, uh, you know, get, get sucked into match fixing. Um, they have become, you know, I think Graham Kramer also might have had, a, I, I, I don't think he was suspended, was he? I think he came forward um, as well. But the Zimbabwean players became very, um, well, what's the best way of putting it? But um, they, they became uh, easy pickings because people in, mm. in the betting industry knew that, you know, easy marks, right? And so mm. if you have a salary and you know, you know, you have to pay this much for your mortgage and you're going to get paid this much from Zimbabwe cricket. And as you said, it's going to come in on time. Um, then that's that makes absolutely sense. So my number one is a little bit more crickety than that, but it's the rise of Sikandaraza, right? And and the reason that 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 I have put this up here is because I don't think there's another player who's as important to his team at the moment as Sikandaraza is, right? And 
that doesn't mean he's the best player in the world. We saw him in the IPL. He, you know, his bowling didn't quite stand up as much as, oh, well, it stood up basically as much as people like me thought it would. But, you know, uh, obviously his batting was, was a little bit different at times. But when he's playing for Zimbabwe and the role he plays within Zimbabwe for the ODI team and the T20 team, it's so important. He basically allows them uh, to play in a way, uh, you know, and, and he allows their top order to pick players who are not as good, who can chip it around because he can catch up for them at the end. He allows them to pick an all-rounder who's probably a bit of a bits and pieces player, but helps their overall, um, uh, you know, team. You know, he allows them to go in with extra batters if they want because he can play as a batter in, in the top order um, and also be a bowler. You know, just the, the flexibility that Sekandar Raza has. And it's, he's been a good cricketer for a while. I remember working for an agent who had him on the books and like going through his numbers, even must have been 2017, 2018 when I was working for this agent. And I remember looking at it going, this guy's way better than anyone realizes. But even then within that, he's had a huge jump. And he really is perhaps the most important player um, to any one team in the world at the moment. Hmm. You know, I, I had Sikanda on number two because you spoke of the cricketing reasons. But then there are the non-cricketing reasons. Like, um, <clears throat> you know, people who follow fo soccer football will remember Peter Njovu, the first African player to play in the English Premier League. And it's important. It's important Peter, that you know. I don't know who that was. I was just nodding <laughs> politely. But okay, football. I've heard of it. People play it. Cool. Yeah, uh, Peter played for Coventry. He was very good. Um, the first Zimbabwean to play abroad, I think. And around when things started getting difficult in Zimbabwe, Peter would always bail out the Zimbabwe Football Association financially that is he would buy kit when kit was needed he would give money when money was needed and instead of just being this amazing player on the field he also became this figure you know this important figure who was always there to help and i see a little bit of that in sikanda like okay you you need a crowd at the grounds Sikanda is going to buy tickets and leave them at the gate and then they make a social media announcement. And, you know, there's a crowd because not a lot of people, you know, can afford to attend cricket matches. This is the, the sad part. The, the economy is bad. People are living hand to mouth, a lot of them. But if you're going to make use of your home advantage, what Sikanda does goes a, a long way. And not only that, Sikanda is always chipping in with money when he feels it's needed. An example is the under-19 squad was in India during the IPL. He came through, he paid for them to go to matches, he gave them sh cricketing boots, he gave them... You know, so he's assuming this Pitanjovo role that I spoke of earlier, that instead of just being a player, he's motivating everyone around him, showing them that you know, there's a higher level that we can do this. We don't have to end on this level. We can go up and we can do more for the country. And, you know, it's infectious when someone that does that. It's also just like when you have someone like that, you know, it, 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 if you have someone who's a professional on that level and they come back, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, he, 
they had a few players who obviously played counter cricket, but he was probably one of the first sort of truly franchise guys, right? Where he would go out and and he wasn't playing in the major franchises that much in those days, but but he played in franchises and everything else. But he clearly had a professional mindset. Having your best player have a professional mindset is another huge advantage, right? You know, the ability at that stage to to come back to everyone and, and say, no, this isn't about me. This is about us getting better. This is how I got better, right? Now I'm going to try and help you get better. All those things matter. I, look, I think he, he's been, it's an incredible story really um, and and how quickly he, he has risen, which is absolutely brilliant. All right, so that's your number one and your number two. Um, my number two is Dave Houghton, um, who I think, because of Sikandar Raza and probably because of a few other reasons that we'll talk about later, he probably hasn't quite got the uh, the reputational bump that I think those within Zimbabwe cricket certainly talk about it. And the players talk about it a lot, right? There's a lot of them talking about what he had done for them, uh, how he freed them up as players. And as you said, a lot of it is it's easy to be play with a little bit more freedom if you actually know your next paycheck is going to turn up. But then to be able to move that into the change room to be able to bring in that professionalism again. And also, I think he has them playing cricket in a slightly different way uh, than they had before. Like Zimbabwean cricket, I kind of, I think for it's always been a little bit defensive-minded. Um, you know, uh, it's not... It, it, you know, it's got a little bit of South Africa to it. You know, you think of your your Ray Prices and your, your Flower Brothers and, you know, those sorts of cricketers who kind of grind their way out of things. And... This Zimbabwean team is not particularly like that, right? It's a lot more fr free-flowing. It's a lot more moving parts. And I think that Dave Houghton and the confidence that he brought. And so for those who don't know, Dave Houghton was obviously a fantastic player. Um, I've used his story a lot um, um, over the years uh, to talk about the difference between him and Nick Price when he made the, made the joke of one day when he was playing a first-class game in Zimbabwe and Nick Price's private jet flew over the top. He knew he'd pick the right sport in cricket, not golf. Um, you know, But he was a fantastic player, probably before Andy Flower thought of as universally the best player that Zimbabwe ever had. You know, Andy Flower and Heath Streak maybe uh, surpassed him a little bit. He's a legend in, in county cricket. Of course, plays a lot of county cricket. It, he'd coached Zimbabwe before, but mm -hmm. this seemed very different. And when he came in, he certainly seemed to come in with like a different spirit, didn't he? Of, I'm just going to let these boys cook. Mm -hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> I had Dave Houghton on the number five because I felt that he sort of brings everything together. Like mm. the other things are because of him. But you know, as you said, when he first coached Zimbabwe, it was a very inexperienced team. They they needed a lot of hand-holding. And now, yes, there are moments where he, he has to hold hands, but most of the players have the experience and all they need is the license to perform at their best. You know, and <clears throat> the other thing, I like about Houghton is even though he's sort of calm, laid back, doesn't shout a lot, he's really firm with these guys. You know, one story I heard is when he had just come in, Sikanda Raza wanted to share a lot of information, always talking and everything, and David to shut him down. Look, dude, you're the player, I'm the coach. Let me coach, you play. 
It's that simple. And, you know, he draws the boundaries. And I understand that there are a couple of not so nice <laughs> characters in the Zimbabwe side right now. You know, I suppose it's something that you come to expect with Zimbabwe. The professionalism is still low, even for most of the guys, especially mm. the guys that have not played outside Zimbabwe. They have not yet experienced what it's like to be a professional cricketer. So a lot of them are difficult, so to say, so to speak. But but Houghton has limited. You mean, don't you? When you say not nice, you mean that they they've got a couple of players who are. It's a little bit like the island team, where you know there's five or six players that are really really good, but then mm. there's a couple of other players that are kind of more making up the numbers, right? At this stage. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, that, that's an interesting thing. Is he's he's kind of coaching from Sakanda Raza, who's an IPL player, down to people who just haven't played a lot of cricket, who are not very mm. developed mm. As, as players, like you know. Um, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the best one is, so, you know, you watch Joy Lord Gumby play. Exactly. He can clearly bat. It's not that he can't bat, but he also looks like someone who hasn't played a lot of top level cricket, right? Who's still working himself mm -hmm. out. Who's probably a limited player anyway. And so Houghton has to coach up and coach down really, mm -hmm. doesn't he? Mm -hmm. You know, Gumby is a very good, okay. We pronounce it different, but the same person, Joy Lord. No, no, that's perfect. I'm disappointed <laughs> it's not Gumby because I don't know if you know, that there is a famous French animation called Gumby, and you've called it Gumby, which actually, that's broken my heart a little bit, but you can continue. <laughs> yeah, but you look at Joy Lord, I think it's 30 or 31, and mm. he, he has only played first-class cricket in Zimbabwe, and it's not the best first-class cricket, if we are honest. And now he has to open at the qualifiers. It's... It's a. It's more like throwing him into the deep end, but because Houghton is able to sort of shepherd him, he puts up, you know, thirties, forties, twenties, gives the He's team getting start. started. Mm. Yeah, every exactly. He's been really consistent at that. There's almost. It's almost at a certain point you want him to get out and let the the more attacking <laughs> players come in, but he does his job over and over again. All right, so that's. Uh, I've got your number one, your number two, and your number five done. Uh, and I've got my number one and my number two done. I, th I think I think I'm remembering all that right. So what is your... Oh, wait. Yeah, what's your number three? Have number I got that four. right? Number four. I have Raza and then the salaries. Oh, okay. All right, then let me, let me come in then. I'll come in with one. So at number three, I have the bowling attack, right? I think this is a really, really important one that somewhere out of nowhere Zimbabwe have a world-class bowling attack with multiple options with they have part-time finger spinners available to them they have obviously Sikanda Raza who's slightly better than that as an off spinner they have Ryan Burl's leg spin available they then have what three four seam bowling options that they can rotate for you know different formats um I don't I'd love to see them play a proper test against a really good team just to see how they go I mean because some of the test pitches in Zimbabwe are not as much, not as much fun for their kind of bowling, <laughs> but I'd love to see them go to New Zealand, right, and and, and you know and play a test there or play a test against South Africa on a, on a good pitch because there's no doubt that I mean Blessing Musrabani is probably the, the next level bowler and he's the gift right mm -hmm. that it, that has come to Zimbabwean cricket, but you know even a player like you know uh, um, like Chendai and some of the other guys, you're looking at them and you're going, but these are 
there's so many options with their bowling. Uh, you know, seam bowling, spin bowling, the combinations that they can use. Uh, I've been so fascinated by the fact that they've been using eight bowlers in the World Cup qualifiers for a lot of the games. And it's not because people have been getting whacked out of the attack or anything. It's because they have that many bowling options in their team. They can use them completely tactically. Um, and I, I think, you know, I didn't expect to, to see a Zimbabwe bowling attack this good. Uh, like if you told me that they'd got good, I would have said it'd probably be with a, what kind of what they've always been famous for, right? You know, guys who can bat three, four, five, six, maybe, maybe, a, you know, um, a couple of all rounder talent type players, but this is, this is unlike any Zimbabwean bowling attack we have ever seen before. Yeah. Um, I'm, I didn't have bowling on my list, but, but it's, it's very interesting. <clears throat> I didn't have it because in a couple of matches, it looked a little blunt, or maybe it was the wicket. I'm not sure. But they didn't look very effective in the qualifiers, and I was, I was a little disappointed. But this, this year, there has been less pressure on Mzarabani, you know, for, for a while, since Mzarabani started playing in the UK and then in the I, in this Pakistani league, a lot of pressure has been on his shoulders. He has had to carry the burden a lot. But then you have your Luke Jongwe, your Shingima Sakadza, Richard Ngarava, and Tendai Chatara. You know, these guys are really stepping up. You know, they they look good. If only they could just get a little more experience is what I would like to happen for them. Then, Well, what I mean, Blessing is obviously next level talent, and but he also looks like someone who's played a lot of county cricket, right? He looks mm -hmm. like someone who understands his game, whereas some of the other guys are very, very talented. And Gava is a perfect example of someone very talented. You just wish he'd bowled in more places around the world. But you talked about the World Cup qualifiers. I, I know what you mean, but there was the game when I think it was the Netherlands scored over 300 against them. And, and I thought, oh, they shouldn't be allowing the Netherlands to score over 300 against them. But then Zimbabwe chased it in 40 overs, right? Mm. So looking back on that game, maybe their bowlers actually did a fairly decent job at, at keeping them on, on a batting wicket. And some of these wickets have had a lot of runs on them at times as well. But, but no, I just think there's... You're talking about... if You, you mentioned all those guys, uh, the, the five seamers, then you've got the two spinners. Seven options to be able to pick from in Zimbabwean cricket, you know, it's not Guy Whittle, is it? Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's a, a completely different generation of Zimbabwean bowlers than we've ever seen before. And, you know, there's older guys, there's younger guys, there's left armers, there's tall, um, you know, there's a wrist spinner. I mean, to be fair, Zimbabwe's always been really great at finding wrist spinners. But, uh, you know, all these different options that they have available to them. I just think that it's one reason why they're consistently a handful when they're playing better teams, right? It's that ability to have at least one or two bowlers who can do something against you. Um, you know, that, that means that it, it's not what, if you look at some, if you look at Ireland, for instance, Ireland's a very good overall unit. Scotland is a very good overall unit, you know, but the reason that Netherlands sometimes looks more dangerous than those two teams is just because Netherlands, when they actually have all their bowls available, can do some real damage. Well, Zimbabwe have that available to them over a long period of time. And, we should be able to, uh, you know, the more cricket Zimbabwe play, hopefully we'll see, well, 
you know, specialist test bowlers come through, T20 bowlers and everything else. And also now that Sekunda and Blessing are already, you know, out in the world, people are going to start recruiting for their T20 franchises from Zimbabwe. You know, Ryan Burles played a little bit overseas as well. You know, some of the other guys have certainly made lists. Um, I've certainly seen teams have a look at them before. So, so I, I just think it's a really, really exciting thing. And maybe I'm putting my historian hat on here a little bit. And it's just, it's not how I remember Zimbabwean cricket. And it feels like to me that this is an important part of what's happening. Uh, okay, so we've done uh, we've done money, we've done Houghton, we've done Sakanda, we've done bowling. All right, what have you got at number four on your list? NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live. Because you shouldn't have to change teams, even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. On number four, I have home advantage. Like, two qualifiers at home. Last year and this year. And Zimbabwe has been on fire in both. You know, talk us through talk us through Zimbabwean pitches at the moment because I remember um, I remember not that long ago talking to Crickviz and it had the second highest turn percentage in the world, right? So balls really do rip there. But Zimbabwean pitches, are, they're not like South African pitches, are they? They're almost like their own separate species. But it's almost in some ways it's more like the West Indies in that they're very varied pitches there isn't maybe you know they don't have a a type of pitch in the way that australia and india and england do as much yeah it's it's quite interesting as you say you know it's they're different and on some level i remember following the the logan cup and there's a forgotten spinner young young man uh brendan mavuta Mavuta, Mavuta. Yeah. I, he's not forgotten on this podcast. <laughs> I mention him about once every two weeks. I'm the only person left mentioning him, but I still believe in him. You know, the young man is taking bucket loads of wickets week in, week out. Yes, on one hand, we could say Zimbabwean players, batters, are not very proficient at playing spin. However, it also shows the amount of spin he's getting. You know, he's... he's running circles around guys. Guys are playing better against pace because the pacers really have to put in a shift to get results. But the pitches, I've forgotten the, the degrees of turn, but I, I, I'm sure you saw them when you, 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 you came across them in the past few years, people talking about them or writing about them. Mm. You know, it's, it turns, recently I did an article on the Wanderers and why it was turning. Zimbabwe turns more than the Wanderers. And it's very interesting. And also that comes back to what you were speaking about when you spoke about the, the, the bowling. Zimbabwe now has numerous spin reserves, some of which they don't know what to do with them because there's just so many spinners who are honing their craft, it's almost as if we are in the subcontinent because the yeah. pitches are turning that much. And, and this is one thing that has been more consistent with Zimbabwean cricket, you know, 
there always seems to be decent spin options that come out, uh, you know, come out of there. As I said, this is what you could say they've had four international leg spinners, um, you know, maybe that's almost as many as England have had since the late nineties, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it's not a thing that happens in English cricket or New Zealand cricket. And yet leg spinners keep coming out of Zimbabwe. They always have finger spinners around. Even their batters are usually quite good, you know, at bowling part-time uh, finger spin and, you know, all those sorts of things. So clearly the conditions play a part there. But you're right. To go back to your original point, uh, it's clearly, the comp it's not quite an Asian conditions, right? It's kind of like, it's, it almost reminds me more of what some of the West Indian, that's why I mentioned West Indies before, in, in that the, the pitches are more like what a West Indian spinning pitch is like rather than not what an Asian um, spinning pitch is like. So it means that even though the Asian teams get the advantage of getting the extra turn, it's not exactly the kind of wickets that they are used to either. It's a very, very interesting like subsection of pitches in, in Zimbabwe. So if you do play two qualifiers at home, which is a remarkable thing to have happen considering Zimbabwe cricket has no advantages for a long time. Is it? Yeah. Uh, you know, so from that perspective, it does make a lot of sense um, that they would do very well. So that's your number four. My number four is all-rounders. Um, mm. So I we talked about before that the actual team still has players like Joy Lord. Well, I want to say Gumby again. It's not Gumby. What did you say it was? Gumby. 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 Okay. Joy Lord Gumby. Not not as much fun to say, if I'm being <laughs> honest. It would be better if it was Gumby. Uh, it's still Joy Lord, though. So we have to, we have to give him credit there. Um but yeah, I think you you look at you 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 look at some of those players in the team, and they're like they they've got some bits and pieces of players. They've got some players who there who are making up the numbers and everything else. Um, but they are allowed to do that because Sekandar Raza and Ryan Bell can both bat in the top seven, mm -hmm. right? And that is a huge advantage to be able to have because in any game, you know, if it's a T Twenty game or if it's a one day game, you should be able to get at least ten overs. Uh, or you know, or, or four overs out of those guys, but actually, more often than not, it's probably going to be closer to six overs or fifteen overs, or, and some games it's going to be twenty overs. That allows Houghton to be a little bit more flexible with what he does. That 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 gives them a huge advantage. There aren't many teams in the world that have two players in their top seven who can bowl at that level, and then they have you know the some of the other batters who can bowl finger spin as well. So if you add in the sort of more part-timery guys around them, you know, you know, Williams and, and those sorts of guys, you're suddenly looking at probably getting close to 40% of your overs from your top seven, which means that you now have six, seven, eight bowlers in a lineup, or you could bat up, you could have like eight specialist batters if you wanted in your team or nine specialist batters at times in your team. Um, and, you know, depending on the conditions and then allow the, the top order to do that. They just that just doesn't happen. Like that's a remarkable situation. There, you know, Australia, Australia going into World Cups with, you know, Marcus Stoinis and uh, Glenn Maxwell having to bowl their their fifth overs, knowing that neither of them can basically do the job, but they don't have a choice. It's a huge difference between having you know Ryan Burl and um, and Sikandar Razak being able to do those sorts of things. So I do think that that is a huge advantage for Zimbabwean cricket, especially in the white ball game at the moment. Yeah, I mean. Earlier on, you mentioned, you know, having some players just come along. You know, they. it's harsh to say they, they make up the numbers, but in a way, they sort of do that. But then it also give, gives Zimbabwe the opportunity to play youngsters like Wesley Madevere. Yeah. He's still learning his game. He's 
still finding himself out. And he's a very good prospect. I think he's he he has a high ceiling, I think. I I remember I was talking to someone because Madevere studied here in South Africa and he captained a team that had an unprecedented run in in schoolboy cricket. And that's how good he was. And then after he joined the Zimbabwe national team, he just, you know, it, he's taking time to adjust to top-level mm. cricket, which is to be expected. I mean, not everyone hits the ground running, but he has to learn. And so when you have that many all-rounders, you can have a deeper betting lineup. And these guys have the space to learn without the pressure, which is where we yeah. come back again to Dave Houghton, where he's like, you know what? Express yourself. Don't be afraid. Play your game. It, it will click at some point, but it gives them the, the luxury to be patient. Yeah. I think luxury is the right word. I, I, I really do. I think, you know, from a flexibility, from a lineup point of view, from a young player's point of view, from developing your players and overseas tours, I think just having that flexibility in the middle of your order to have two players who you know, are proper all-rounders with a couple of guys who are, you know, decent part-timers around them as well. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. What uh, is number five on your list? Sean Williams. Uh, I See, <laughs> I didn't have Sean Williams and I knew you would. So I, he wasn't far away, um, but I would love to know. Uh, I mean, he's been around for so long that I, I found it almost hard to give him extra credit, but he's been absolutely fantastic at this tournament. But why Sean Williams in general? What does he bring as a Marbuin team that they haven't had? Well, to quote Dave Houghton, Sean Williams is the best better in the Zimbabwean team at the moment. Yep. And his relationship with Houghton is critical because they understand each other so much. And because of that understanding, Sean Williams is able to perform at his best. And that also means that he's able to lead better as as the captain, you know. So you look in the past few days, Sean Williams has battered Zimbabwe out of trouble single-handedly. And that doesn't happen a lot, despite his experience. It doesn't happen a lot because he's, he's a temperamental individual. He at least he was until very recently. But now that he has found that Zen spot, he's able to play at a level that people expected him to play at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. He's no longer the the, the petulant, ill-tempered youngster he was, you know. And it that matters a lot because when you have a leader like that, we always talk about a, a captain's innings. He leads with a bat. And also, with the culture Dave Houghton is trying to create, Sean Williams is able to embody all of that to take the team forward. I mean, he's old. Yeah, like, 36. <laughs> you talk about, you know what I mean? Like, he, he looks like to me that I've always thought of him as a very good player. I think, you know, obviously, he's, he comes from a cricket family. Um, I think both his brother and his father might have played. Wait, let me look up cricket. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they both, they obviously both played. 
you know, he's come out of that sort of lineage of Zimbabwean cricketers um, from that, but he's never quite got to this level before. And it feels like to me that late in his career, he's worked out how to match his talent with consistency as, as a professional, right? And as you said, you know, we've talked about this a lot that they don't have that depth that some other teams have. So their most important batter is far more important to them than, you know, than a normal most important batter would be to another team. So for him to reach this level, I think has been absolutely fantastic. I, I think it is interesting that, you know, we are mentioning the captain. I didn't even have him on my list, but we are mentioning the best batter and captain so late in this, which does tell you how much this is a total effort, right? And not just... um not just like, you know, uh, one person uh, changing Zimbabwean cricket. Like there are many different important factors and, and, and things have gone there. But look, I think he's been fantastic watching some of his innings in this tournament so far. I've really enjoyed watching the way he batted. Um, the, the pacing of some of his innings, you know, when he's going fast and when he's going slow. I've really appreciated that. All right. So that's the end of your five. Um, and so Williams, I didn't have. Salary, I didn't have. Um, you didn't have bowling attack. And you didn't have. Uh, Robert Mugabe died in 2019. <laughs> um, I don't know how much cricket fans know that Mugabe was so heavily invested in cricket from a political standpoint. Uh, you know, uh, Peter Chingoka was one of the most important people in cricket for a very, very long time. He was, you know, really close to Robert Mugabe. Uh, and it, for a long period of time, the Zimbabweans had the swing vote between the sort of Asian bloc and the Western bloc. And because of that, um, Chingoka got a lot of things for Zimbabwean cricket, which didn't actually help Zimbabwean cricket, but, you know, made, made um, himself and Mugabe feel a lot better about what was happening. Of course, Mugabe has that great uh, comment about cricket where he says, um, cricket is a game for gentlemen and he wants um, his nation to be a, a, a nation of gentlemen completely unaware that that uh, gent the way that gentleman is actually used in cricket um that doesn't make any sense to begin with but that's where he was coming at so cricket was so important to him i know at the end of his life he was not uh well, I'm, not, I'm not even sure how 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 much uh cognizant thought he had for a long period but it does <laughs> it feels very interesting to me that as his political power block disappeared and changed and uh, has evolved and zimbabwean politics has evolved they are not as invested in cricket as they once were um, from a political standpoint in, in that way, and certainly not with someone like Mugabe who takes up all the oxygen in a room, let alone a country. And now cricket is being run a little bit more for cricket's sake rather than as a political. So that doesn't, that's not, stop. there's always going to be political problems um, in any cricket country really, but certainly in Zimbabwe. But I do think that that separation of Mugabe and well, separation of Mugabe in life, but <laughs> separation of Mugabe and cricket, I do think that has allowed for Zimbabwe to actually um, change a little bit. Um, and as I think you pointed out before, the economic situation hasn't recovered as much as as people would have liked in Zimbabwe. But taking out one um, bit of meddling from the game is already a plus, I think, in some ways. Hmm. It's interesting. I had never thought of that, and the current pre the current president, I I don't think he knows much <laughs> about the game. Is I've never heard him mention cricket. Like, do you know <laughs> what I mean? You, you know, because and and there's all there's different levels of this too, isn't it? There's like Mugabe mm. and John Howard levels, right? And Narendra Modi levels and Imran Khan levels. Th those are like top level. And then you might have a president or a prime minister who likes cricket, but just watches it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have occasionally prime ministers and presidents who 
don't have any interest at all. And from the outside, that's what it looks like at the moment, which is one of the best things that's happened to Zimbabwe. The biggest problem here is, I'm going to put this to you, what happens when Zimbabwe keep getting good at cricket? That's when the politicians will come back in. Well, that's a, that's a no-brainer because, <laughs> because as things stand at the moment, you see, this is why your point matters, I think, because the current president, for him, cricket is sort of like social media, I think. In Zimbabwe, social media doesn't matter. It's there. There are people who enjoy it. He doesn't get it. He listens to what people tell him about it. And I know that there's Mukutlani. He's, he's a ZANU-PF MP. However, this is where it matters more why Mgabe is not there. Because this guy is a ZANU-PF MP. He's involved in Zimbabwe cricket, but you don't see government in intervention. Which shows you that there's no interest whatsoever from, from these guys. They, also, the employment of guys like Dave Houghton and Andrew Waller, it also says something. Because, it, you know, Houghton, Waller, and others came in, they replaced them, Steve Mangongo's guys who felt that they had a grip on Zimbabwe cricket. And now, you know, yes, there are questionable things that would happen, like people didn't understand Rajput's elevation and things like that, from coach, I think, to COO or something like that. But when you put all of that aside, you see that there are some cricketing decisions that are being made. And that is important for Zimbabwe to keep going forward. Yes, Zimbabwe keeps getting successful. They qualify for the World Cup. If they do qualify for India, I think we might have one or two statements from the president. Uh, you know, if Zimbabwe wins, the president might try to meddle in a little bit, but that's the extent of it. He will not involve himself too much, as Mgabe did. Mgabe just wanted cricket to to happen. <laughs> you know, it's... Well, also, you've, you talked about a little bit the Dave Houghton situation. So, obviously, race is always going to play a part in Zimbabwean cricket, right? Mm -hmm. There's, they're, you know, they're, they're completely locked and will always be locked together. But this particular Zimbabwean side is very, uh, and I say this as an outsider, so you might be able to tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels incredibly mixed. Um, you know, people from various different backgrounds, you know, and not just white and black as well. Obviously, there are Asian players um, uh, involved as, as well. It feels from an outsider's perspective, like it is probably more the face of Zimbabwe, where part of the issue going back in the old days was that, it, you know, so many of the best players were white. And that was a huge issue for Mugabe. <laughs> obviously, that wasn't exactly how he wanted things to go. You talk about Houghton coming in. Houghton is obviously white as well. But now it feels like there's so many great young, I mean, we talk about the, uh, you know, we, we talked about so many players in this podcast that are black Zimbabwean players who 100%, there's no, forget about quotas and pushing agendas and everything, just so many players in that team who just automatically would walk into the team just based on the talent, forgetting what their race is in any way, shape or form. It's in a much better position in some ways than South African cricket uh, um, has has been from that perspective, and that is the other. That's the the other side of this is that Zimbabwean cricket is talented, 
It's never going to have a lot of money, but there's always going to be people coming up. As long as you can bring it together and make everyone play the game, there should always be a fairly decent level of Zimbabwean cricket. You're going to have highs and lows and everything else. But if you start to divide it again and go down the, the racial lines, that, which, which happened at times um, you know, under the previous regimes, then the white players don't feel like they want to invest back in Zimbabwean cricket. Uh, they will go off and play club cricket in England and probably make, make more money, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Maybe get a county deal if, if they can. Um, that takes away a talent drain. It takes away coaching. And if you look at this generation now, it is a combination of everything in Zimbabwean cricket coming together. Mm. And I'm not sure we've ever truly seen that before. Look, I mean, look at the crazy trip that Gary Balance took us on. I mean... <laughs> during, during the Mugabe it's funny years. that it's taken us that long for us to actually get to him yeah he played didn't he for a couple of minutes you know during the Mugabe years I don't think Balance would have had a look in yeah but now people were pragmatic enough to say you know what if if we bring him in him being an experienced player and the race issue always comes up he's white but if we bring him in, there's cricket sense behind this decision because, one, we need to win matches. That's how you inspire the next generation of players. That's how. And also, he also he's also able to share with the team, you know, things, you know, help the current setup to grow, to develop. And then a short while later, a couple of matches later, he... He hung his bat uh, for reasons I don't know. I've heard rumors, but well, it's rumors. There's but... lots of rumors. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave the rumors here. But yeah, look, I, I, but he's fascinating on two points, right? Because there's no way in the previous Zimbabwean regimes he would have come in because uh, he would have. It, it would have, because of what happened at Yorkshire and, and you know, the, the racism uh, that he was suspended for in Yorkshire and, and all those sorts of things. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't have happened. Right. It wouldn't have been something that 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 would have would have gone on. And so to be able to go from that to where we are now um, is a huge difference, even if it didn't work. Right. Yeah. But well, it's a bit like you, it's a bit like any smaller industry. Right. You if someone people are always going to go off to bigger places, people are always going to go play county cricket. They're going to play franchise cricket. I mean, Blessing almost took a major league cricket contract. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, all these things happen and we know this again and again. But, but when you are a small cricket um, community, what Zimbabwe is, like it's not a massive, you know, big one, like certainly like some of the other countries uh, are out there. You want to make the most of every bit of talent you have. And that doesn't just mean on the field, right? That means when you're in the nets, you want Gary Balance to be watching, you know, a Joy Lord play and just be like, have you ever thought of just doing this? Mm -hmm. Right? All those little things, or this is how I prepare for a game. Right. Or, you know, this is how Joe Root prepares for a game, whatever that may be. All of those things matter. Blessing, if Blessing had not come back, right, you've got someone who spent, what, two or three years in the county system who then goes off to Major League Cricket. You're losing not just the talent that he has, but also the learned knowledge that he has, the experience that he has, you know, the, the different ways of thinking about the game that he has. And Zimbabwean cricket was fractured from that, right? So many of the best players were not around to guide anyone. Um, and, and it did, did cause a problem. It feels now like, not, every, not that everyone's welcome home again, but that mm -hmm. 
Zimbabwean cricket is now being embraced by Zimbabwean cricketers. And I would say that before 2019, that was not the case. Zim if you talk to a Zimbabwean cricket person at that stage, they'd just be like, it's dead. And it wouldn't matter what their race was. Everyone felt the same way. Everyone felt like it just, it wasn't going anywhere. It was never going to go anywhere. And there was this real lack of energy. Mm. Everything has changed over the last, you know, two and a half, three years, whatever, whatever that period may be of now you talk to Zimbabwean cricket and they're like excited. And there yeah. are things happening. And that's not just on the field. That's off the field as well. Yeah. I mean, look at, there's this kid who's playing in the UK, um, Tawanda Muyeye. Very talented young man. Is he the schoolboy? Yeah. Yeah, no, I've heard. Yeah, so he, he went over quite young, didn't he, to, to play um, school cricket. And he, everyone's told me he's a, a, a great young talent. Yeah. I mean, he scored his maiden in county cricket just recently and he went when he was what 14 but when Muyeye was asked if he was going to play for Zimbabwe or England he stated that his dream was not to play for Zimbabwe and that was at a time when no one had hoped for Zimbabwe yeah. I think I might be wrong but I think today if that question had been posed to him, that same question had been posed to him today, he would have a think about it. He might choose England, but he would have a think about it. Yeah, and, and, and I suppose this goes back to the original sort of premise as well of there's, it's not a talent problem in Zimbabwe cricket. It's not like after the 90s, you turned off a button and no one could play cricket ever again in Zimbabwe, right? You know, we have seen many players come through, you know, uh, of, of different levels, you know, handy role players, you know, experienced batters, good all-rounders, spinners, you know, uh, you know, seam bowlers, all these different players have come through, but they're very rarely all involved in Zimbabwe cricket at the same time, right? Mm, yeah. And so if you have a situation like that, as you said, he might still pick England because he might think, well, wait a minute, I, I, as a professional, I can make more money in England. Maybe I do go on to play for the England national team, which opens me up to something else. But the other side of that, of course, is that, even if he just has the ability to think, well, maybe I will pick. Maybe, maybe I will play um, counter cricket for till I'm 26, 27. And if I'm nowhere near the England team, I'll go and play for Zimbabwe for a couple of years, mm -hmm. right? And he's going to take, what, what did you say? He was 14. I think he played the top level of, of schoolboy cricket over here. Mm -hmm. he, was in, he was in academies from a very young age, uh, first class system, all those sorts of things. That's 10 years of experience he might be able to take back into that side. That, that, if even if he only plays for one year, what he would be able to give to Zimbabwean cricket at that point is so immense. And I think that's the point now is that players like him, players like Balance, you know, players like Blessing are actually going, no, 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 we can go back. And mm -hmm. that is not how Zimbabwean cricket was. It's incredible to see how quickly it has turned around from, it wasn't that long ago that I think, you know, you, me, people like us were sitting there going, it's done. Zimbabwean I mean cricket's done. They'll, they'll still have players, but as a team, I, I, just, I couldn't see any light at the end of the tunnel a few years ago. I mean, look at it now, even at the lower levels. One, one issue I've always had with Zimbabwe cricket was there was no solid foundation at the bottom. But now, you look at it because there's hope. <clears throat> People are hopeful. And guys like Brendan Taylor and others even though they are no longer playing, they are setting up these academies. They have 
this wealth of information, this wealth of knowledge that they are now able to to pass through. It it almost takes us to that time when Andy Flower and Grand Flower were coming through. They would go play matches and then have to go to coach young kids. You know, there was a system back then where they had to do these things. It was part of being a national team player. So even though Taylor and others are not playing, with their experience and knowledge, they are able to provide up-and-coming youngsters with solid information, solid backgrounds. Unlike in the past, what, 20 years, 25 years, where you had a situation where a school teacher who just knows school cricket is trying to set up an academy to develop yeah. international players, you know, or franchise players. There's, there's a world of difference when you look at it. No, definitely. CS, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Everyone should head over to Chadwick Drive and uh, find mostly your stuff about South Africa. In fact, you haven't written enough about Zimbabwe yet, and it's uh, <laughs> frankly a little bit annoying for me. But thank you very much for coming on the show. No, th- thank you for having me. Look, it's not because I don't try. I try, but it's a little insular. <laughs> Change still needs to be made on that front. Oh, uh, well, um, you know, it, they won't let you in. Um, you can imagine how much fun I've had trying to get <laughs> anything out of Zimbabwe cricket over the last couple of years. Uh, but thank you very much, mate, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening. This podcast has an ad-free version via Patreon where there are many other extras as well, including a Discord channel. There's a link to those in the show notes. Please review, subscribe, and tell all your friends about our show. Word of mouth is the best way of making our podcast grow. If we had a guest on, chances are their socials are in the show notes. Please support everyone who comes on this show. I am Jared Kimber, and this is my network. But we also have hosts and co-hosts like Barat Sundaresan and Bayram Kazi. This network is overseen by Nick McCorriston. Each episode is produced by Ishit Kuberka at Sound Potion Studio. The team from 42 help us out with the video side. Orijoti Sainapayi and Maida Akam, both producing podcasts, while Mukunda Bandredi is the head of our YouTube content. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.